We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 747 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. And guess who is headed to the Detroit area? The Commanders. Uh, They cannot conduct second interviews, what can be in-person interviews as opposed to virtual interviews with head coaching candidates currently working for NFL teams participating in Conference Championship Sunday until this Monday at the earliest. Well, we on Tuesday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders plan to conduct in-person interviews with Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn in the Detroit area next week. The commanders are going to Johnson and Glenn. And let's be honest, the team is going to Johnson. No disrespect to Aaron Glenn, who is very well regarded. Uh, But Ben Johnson is the target. He is the commander's number one target in their head coaching search. He is who I most want the team to hire as its head coach. He is who I know many of you most want the team to hire as its head coach. And let's just think about this logically. If you're the commanders and you want Ben Johnson as your next head coach, then planning a trip to him for this second interview for perhaps as soon as Monday, the first day on which you can conduct the interview, is exactly what you do. Detroit Rock City, (laughs) here come the commanders and we're taking your offensive coordinator. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Next segment, a deep dive on the commander's head coaching search as I'll chat with commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. Uh, Ben was among those who on Tuesday afternoon had the news of the team planning this trip to the Detroit area next week. We, with Ben, are going to get into all kinds of things with this commander's head coaching search, including if Ben Johnson is the number one target, then who is the number two target? Uh, And how legit is this stuff 
from Commander's General Manager Adam Peters about leadership being the top thing that he's looking for in who is hired as the team's head coach. And where does Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald stand in the commander's head coaching search? And why have we still heard nothing on the status of the commander's previous general manager, Martin Mayhew, who, according to the team's website, still is a general manager? The commander's website still lists the team having two general managers, Adam Peters and Martin Mayhew. Uh, Anyway, lots of intel, lots of analysis on the commander's head coaching search and more. Next segment with Ben Standig. Also on the show, I will talk Nationals, some activity by the Nats. Uh, We on Tuesday afternoon had multiple reports that the Nats have agreed on a one-year $5 million contract with free agent outfielder slash first baseman Joey Gallo. I've got some thoughts on that. Spoiler alert, I like this move. Uh, I'll discuss a bad loss for the Caps on Tuesday night, a 5-3 loss at the Minnesota Wild as goaltender Darcy Kemper struggled again. Uh, And I have some college basketball for you. Georgetown on Tuesday evening got smashed a 90-66 loss to Butler at Capital One Arena. Uh, But Virginia Tech late night on Tuesday night won a 76-71 win over Boston College at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got the following on X from Corey Burnett offer conversation on Tuesday's show, episode 746, with Dave Kluge, a writer and podcast host for Football Guys and Fantasy Pros. Dave told us about a study that he conducted on taking quarterbacks with top five picks in NFL drafts, as, of course, the Commanders have the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft and are expected to take a quarterback with that pick or with whatever is done with that pick. Writes Corey, did my own research with slightly different parameters. To me, if you draft a quarterback in the top five, you are trying to get a franchise quarterback. That is the definition of success. Definition of franchise quarterback will be different for everyone. Uh, For me, it is a quarterback who plays with the team that drafted him for at least seven seasons, makes at least three Pro Bowls, takes his team to at least four playoff games, and wins at least two playoff games. With that criteria, there have been 32 quarterbacks selected with top five picks in the 25 drafts from 1994 through 2018. Only eight of those quarterbacks fit that criteria of franchise quarterback. Hard to find that guy. The draft is a crapshoot. Thank you for that, Corey. Uh, The eight franchise quarterbacks taken with top five picks in NFL drafts from 1994 through 2018, as determined by Corey's parameters, are Steve McNair, Peyton Manning, Donovan McNabb, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Andrew Luck. That's it. Eight out of 32. Now, Two quarterbacks who do not earn the label of franchise quarterback via Corey's parameters are Alex Smith and Jared Goff. I do think that there are compelling arguments for those guys as franchise quarterbacks, but the point remains, the NFL draft is a crapshoot, including taking quarterbacks with top five picks. Uh, There is no disputing that. 
Email from Steve B on what exactly are the glory years, the glory days of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. Right, Steve? Been a loyal listener for a while and respect and appreciate what you do. Great content and guests. Like many others, I am an eternally optimistic Redskins slash Commanders fan. One little thing that I wanted to bring up about Skins history. You refer to the glory years as being 1982 through 1992, which is true. But don't forget about the George Allen era. While he was not a beloved figure, he did turn our team into a perennial contender. I think that he deserves some credit, and I think that the period of 1971 through 1991 was pretty remarkable, especially compared to the Dan Snyder mess. Uh, thank you for the email, Steve. No doubt, George Allen was outstanding for the Skins, and we have talked about George Allen uh, on this podcast. George Allen was the Skins head coach and general manager from January 1971 to January 1978. The Skins, over their seven seasons in being led by him, had a regular season winning percentage of 691 in never having a losing regular season record, and made the playoffs in five of seven seasons. Uh, now, Allen's playoff record with the Skins was just two and five, with both of the postseason wins coming in the Skins' 1972 NFC Championship season. Uh, there certainly is some subjectivity in defining the team's glory years, the team's glory days. I say the 1982 through 1992 seasons because that was this incredible 11-season run that featured three Super Bowl titles, four NFC championships, and eight playoff appearances. Like, even if you live through that, that is something just to go through. 11 seasons, eight playoff appearances, four NFC championships, and three Super Bowl titles. You certainly could say that the 1971 through 1992 seasons were the Skins' glory years, the Skins' glory days, as that period of time includes both George Allen's time as Skins head coach and GM and Joe Gibbs' first stint as Skins head coach. But that period of time also includes the three seasons for which Jack Pardee was Skins head coach, 1978 through 1980. Now, things were not terrible under Jack. Uh, The Skins did go 10-6, and in the 1979 regular season, but that was his only winning regular season as Skins head coach, and he did not make the playoffs as Skins head coach. So I define the glory years, the glory days, as the 1982 through 1992 seasons, but there certainly can be some flexibility with that. I'm not some militant (laughs) with that. Uh, And while we are talking George Allen and also Jack Pardee, so one of the great pieces from NFL Films on the Skins is called Three Cheers for the Redskins, a documentary about George's first season with the Skins 1971. The following is from the Skins' victorious locker room after a 38-24 win at George's former team, the Los Angeles Rams, on Monday Night Football on December 13th, 1971. You will hear George do his classic three cheers for the Redskins. Uh, Then you'll hear linebacker Jack Pardee, who years later would succeed George Allen as Skins head coach, present George with a game ball. And then you'll hear the team serenade George with one of the great locker room cheers. Hooray for George. Hooray at last. Hooray for George. 
He's a horse's ass. <laughs> Classic stuff. Although, because this was the 1970s, you will hear NFL films kick in its music right before the players say the A-S-S word. <laughs> uh, here you go. Three cheers for the Redskins. Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hey, let's have three more! Hooray! Three cheers for the Redskins. Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! Hey, hey, I got the first one, Speedy. The damn guy that prepared so much, and hell, we're going to go a long ways together, but here's George Allen. Thank you. Outstanding. The legendary George Allen. Well, also legendary is the great law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. Paulson and Ace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Ace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Hey, if you are listening to this podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast with a star rating. Five star ratings are greatly appreciated. They help us out a lot. Thank you for doing them. Uh, so the number is eight. As best as we can tell, the commanders have interviewed eight people for the team's head coaching job, three offensive coaches and five defensive coaches. The three offensive coaches, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, 
Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and commanders assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, as we this past Sunday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders last week interviewed Bieniemy for the team's head coaching vacancy. And then the five defensive coaches who the commanders have interviewed for their head coaching job, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach slash defensive line coach Anthony Weaver, Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, and Detroit Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. When it comes to the two Lions coordinators, Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, and the two Ravens defensive assistants, Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver, none of those guys can be interviewed for a second time by the commanders until this Monday, January 29th at the earliest. Uh, This due to the Lions and Ravens playing in this Sunday's NFC Championship game and AFC Championship game, respectively. The ban on in-person interviews of head coaching candidates currently employed by other NFL teams did end with the conclusion of divisional round playoff games on Sunday. So all interviews of candidates moving forward can be in person. The Eric Bieniemy interview presumably was in person because he is currently employed by the commanders. Uh, We on Monday had multiple reports of the commanders in the coming days being set to conduct second interviews, these being in-person interviews with Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn. We on Tuesday morning had multiple reports of the commanders on Tuesday interviewing Bobby Slowick for a second time. We on Tuesday afternoon had multiple reports that the commanders plan to conduct in-person interviews with Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn in the Detroit area next week and plan to conduct an in-person interview with Anthony Weaver in the coming days. There is a lot to be keeping track of with this commander's head coaching search. There is a lot to be thinking about with the commander's head coaching search. And the man who is doing all of that and more is the man who joins me now, commander's insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, Ben and I have our arrangement, our alliance, by which we are appearing on each other's podcast. We did this during the commander's 2023 season, and uh, we are doing this during the commander's ultra-important 2024 offseason. Ben does Such a good job of covering the Commanders. He's the host of the Standing Room Only podcast, and you can follow Ben on X at Ben Standing. Ben is very detailed. In fact, are you okay with me when we're done talking, leaking to the media (laughs) that you were very detailed, uh, the way that someone leaked to the media that Eric Bieniemy in his head coaching interview with the Commanders was very detailed? I'm fine with that, but you, your credibility goes right down the toilet or whoever, whoever puts that out there because anybody who knows knows it is a, a tornado over here at all times. So, um, yes, that would be that would be great. Uh, I, I'm happy to take any, any compliments, anything that makes me look remotely uh, coherent. All right, very good. So regarding the eight known people who have been interviewed by the commanders for their head coaching job, do you think that it is safe to say that the commander's next head coach will be one of those eight people? Yeah, I mean, logically, you know, it would be one of those people It would have to be a pretty big mystery at this point now because they cannot interview the coaches that they can't do in-person interviews with the coaches who are still going, including Ben Johnson, obviously, and Mike McDonald, then this is a week to go nuts. I mean, I don't know if there's interest in Mike Vrabel. feels like it's a now or never, never situation. I mean, you know, look, we only know what we're being told or reported. For all we know, they've interviewed 
all these other people and they, it, you know, they're not announcing it the way other teams are. Other teams are telling the world, Hey, we just completed an interview with Bill Belichick or whatever. So, um, anything's possible, I guess, but it appears that, you know, this is the, this is the likely the group things could change, but yeah, I would, I would assume at this point it's going to be one of those people. Yeah, it is interesting. The Los Angeles Chargers have been announcing who they've been interviewing for their head coaching vacancy. The Atlanta Falcons have been announcing who they've been interviewing for their head coaching vacancy. Heck, the Falcons on Sunday night announced that they had interviewed Ben Johnson. So the interview happened, and then like right away, the Falcons made that announcement. Is there a competitive advantage to the commanders not announcing who they're interviewing for their head coaching vacancy, or is this just a uh, team preference thing? Yeah, I guess it's just team preference. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything more to it than Adam, and I will just say that in general, this group has been pretty quiet throughout. Um, you know, there, there's really not, you know, like sort of the Bob Myers example. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, you know, I guess that's just what, how they're choosing to operate. You know, I'd like a little more information, but uh, but, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it would make my life easier if they had just said, "Hey, we interviewed so and so," versus having to chase things down and confirm it. But you know, I don't think it's a big deal either way. Well, a big deal is who the commanders hire as their head coach. The belief for weeks now has been that Ben Johnson is the team's number one target. NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports in a post on X this past Saturday morning reported that sources considered Johnson, quote, the favorite to land the Washington job, end quote. If Johnson is the leader in the clubhouse to get the job, who to you is number two? That's funny. In the episode I did with uh, Nikki Javala, I said, if this was the TV show The Leftovers and Ben Johnson was one of the 2% of the population that disappeared, who would be the next person? So we're on the same wavelength. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, you know, obviously the main question is who's going to get the job. But to me, this is the more interesting part because everybody keeps just saying Ben Johnson's a favorite and maybe on some level he is, but I, I don't know. I don't feel this is the same as like the Adam Peter situation where it's really kind of, it is clearly from everything I could tell his to lose. Plus Adam Peters canceled. He didn't go to meet with anybody else. Ben Johnson has, like you just said, Atlanta and other teams. So I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion, but as for who number two would be. Yeah, I think this is a, I think this is where the interview process could legitimately come into play. I've been sort of in my head saying Raheem Morris. I'm not discounting Dan Quinn off of the Green Bay game, although that would be a tougher sell for sure. But I don't know, the whole Dallas thing, I, I'm not being that childish and immature, but at the same point, I don't know. Is that, they did that once with Norv, it didn't quite work. I don't I, I don't know if I see that again. But Raheem Morris, you know, everything you hear, um, look, he's, he's had some experience having been a head coach and an interim coach. He's not an old fossil by any stretch of the imagination, so he's young enough that you can work with him. You, you see the support he gets from his GM in LA, Les Snead. You see Jalen Ramsey, the former Rams corner, come out and say that guys would, you know, kill to play for him. And, you know, I think it also comes down to what do you think this team needs the most? I'm not going to argue against anybody who says they need that offensive play caller. But I I do buy into the idea that, you know, however you want to phrase it, the leader of men, uh, whatever, that is – a key deal. And you look at teams like the Ravens and the Steelers in particular, I think there is something to that. They're, they're the teams that have been the most formidable in this league for years. 
right? I mean, co- consistently, maybe not the best team in, in, in given years, but so I don't know. I, I, to me, I would guess Morris, um, but uh, I, I get, I, if it gets past Johnson or he goes somewhere else, then I do think it's more pr- pretty wide open, it feels like. I did want to ask you about the leadership thing. Adam Peters on January 16th at his introductory press conference as commander's general manager cited leadership as the number one thing that he's looking for in the team's next head coach. And I got to tell you, my initial reaction to that was that it was a safe, vague, cliche answer. I mean, leadership. Okay, (laughs) you're always looking for leadership in a head coaching hire. But more and more, it does seem like this leadership thing is a thing. Uh, NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com, he on the uh, NFL Network show NFL Game Day this past Sunday said of this head coaching cycle, quote, so much of what teams are looking for, it seems, this year is leader of men, leadership, culture, end quote. Uh, What do you make of Adam Peters having highlighted leadership? Yeah, I I think my instincts, you know, when, when when the information... You know, I know we're not supposed to uh, try to interpret words that people say up when they stand up there. But, you know, we I do try to figure out what is being said. And I think you're right. I, my initial thought was, OK, this is kind of what everybody said. I remember the Scott McLuhan introductory press conference. and He just says, I want football players. And people went berserk as like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> um, but this is also the point we're all trying to figure Adam Peters out. Right. We're trying to figure out. What is sincere? What is just the BS? And as the more I thought about it, I, I do think there's something to it because, you know, like that's the thing, right? Kyle Shanahan's a really good uh, play caller, obviously. But you can tell there's like an edge to him. I mean, I don't think he's like the easiest guy, to, the easiest hang out there in the world, but there's clearly some bit of an edge to him. I, you know, I remember, you know, the first time I ever met Sean McVay, I'm like, oh. Boy, this guy, this is when he was here, obviously. And I was like, boy, this guy. So when the Rams went to interview him, I was like, oh, he's going to get that job unless, you know, somebody of significance is, is in the mix. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know that um, what Ben Johnson's presence is. I, I, we, because Nikki had been at the Lions games last two weeks, we talked about, like, what's your impression of him being in the room? But, you know, obviously that's hard to tell uh, as well. So um, I don't, I'm not discounting it. And, you know, Look, this is a year where there's more defensive coordinators on anybody's list than their offensive guys in theory. But Washington's list, if you include the enemy of eight, you know, five are on the defensive side. So is that because of the uh, the options? Or is that because there is something to be said for the defensive guys tend to be a little bit more raw, emotional, you know, motivational, whereas the offensive guys just generally, the enemy is an exception, but generally more about being less of that and more about being, you know, a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, uh, it, it's more about the the, 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 uh, the planning as opposed to like the emotion, it seems like, right? So I don't discount it, but yes, you, if you want to say it felt a little, what somebody's supposed to say in that role, I, I understand that. Uh, Mike McDonald, his resume keeps growing. Uh, The Ravens 34-10 blowout of the Houston Texans this past Saturday in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs was just the latest instance of McDonald's Ravens defense humbling a high-powered offense this season. McDonald's defense this season has twice humbled 
Bobby Slowick's Texans offense and has humbled Ben Johnson's Lions offense and has humbled head coach Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers offense and has humbled head coach Mike McDaniel's Miami Dolphins offense. How serious of a candidate is Mike McDonald for the commander's head coaching job? Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it would be, I would rule it out. I just think it's a matter of all these coordinators have very thin leadership resumes, right? I mean, Ben Johnson's only been an OC for two years. McDonald's been a DC for two years. Um, you know, he's obviously had, has had a really good year. I, I will note that if you, uh, my, my colleague, Mike Sando had a really good um, Monday morning column where he drops in thoughts and notes from around the league. And he talked about why the Ravens have been so successful. He highlighted a lot of Harbaugh stuff, which I thought was really good. Um, but with McDonald, he noted all the the stats that you did, like they're you know against the Shan- Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and a bunch of others. He's their defense has been amazing, but that the the people who have a who've either seen it more than once or have some kind of familiarity with what's going on there, like teams in the division, things like that, they have not. They're the ones who have done the best against the uh, the Ravens. Even like say the Bengals this year when they when Joe uh, when. Uh, Kyle, when, when Jake Browning uh, was playing, not Joe Burrow, that they you know did they scored fairly well. So all that aside, I think he seems like a pretty interesting guy, and I totally get why anybody would would want to talk to him. Um, but you know, it, it, it's you know, it's like anything else. How much is it? Is it you know, is is it you know what he's doing on defense? Can he be that leader of men type guy? Um, I mean, here's here's what I guess I would say. You asked earlier, is this the list? Are we is one of the hires coming from this list? Okay, well, if it is, then other than Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris, none of these guys have been a head coach before. So it suggests that they are looking for they're looking for somebody fresh and new, and not looking for a um a, a, I would almost say a retread, but not looking for somebody who's you know um old the tooth has you know kind of been there, done that. So if that's the case, then somebody like McDonald, the appeal for that, the appeal for any of these coordinators, you're picking right off the vine. You know, they're still ripening. Maybe then they don't care as much about that lack of experience. They just like the creativity, the thought process. Again, similar to maybe what the Rams did with McVay. So I guess you'd have to say he would be in the mix and he would be um, like the story I have up today about like Washington's to-do list this offseason. Like the two coaches I focused on were primarily – Johnson and McDonald and some Morris. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he's got to be in the discussion. I just don't know how people are going to view him again, being going from that coordinator to head coach with, you know, at a young age and with a thin resume. Much more with Ben standing in moments. I'm going to next ask him who truly is making the call on the commander's next head coach. But if you live in Northern Virginia and you have a masonry fireplace, you gotta call Nova Fireplace and Stove, which right now is offering an outstanding deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast and in stock would insert at an extremely discounted price, just $6,000 plus tax. The usual price is $9,000 plus tax. So this is a 33% discount and the $6,000 plus tax includes installation, permit, and county slash city inspection. And you can get a government funded tax credit as well up to $2,000 dropping the price to just $4,000. 
$4,000, all things considered. A site visit is required, and you must have a masonry fireplace. But if you live in Northern Virginia, call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803. Ask to talk to my guy, Stuart Moore. He's the general manager. He's a big Commanders fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and get this exceptional deal on an in-stock wood insert. Again, 33% off. A standard masonry fireplace is only about 10% efficient, but a wood insert is over 70% efficient. A wood insert installed into a masonry fireplace elongates the burn time of your logs. This is a great way to heat your home and save money on heating your home. Uh, visit NovaFireplaceAndStove.com to check out customer reviews of Nova Fireplace and Stove, but call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. We're talking with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic about the Commander's head coaching search. Which of the following statements is most accurate? The commander's next head coach will be determined by Adam Peters, or the commander's next head coach will be determined by managing partner Josh Harris with major input from Adam Peters? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think the, the search committee wasn't abandoned. They didn't like get rid of it now that Adam Peters is here. It's like, okay, we're out of here. You're, it's up to you. So, you know, the input is going to be there, right? You, you don't bring in a Bob Myers for him to just be like, yeah, you know, I'm sure whatever you guys want to do, there's going to be some discussion. You would have to think, though, that Adam Peters' input will be weighed more heavily than others in the room, perhaps even more so than Josh Harris. But, you know, look, I, I guess it all depends, right? If Adam Peters comes in and says, I want to make Wink Martindale the head coach, uh, that may be like, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Like that, I get he's a good coach, but. I don't feel like that's the guy who makes the sense for how we're viewing the world, but you know that that's sort of the extreme. But I, 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 I would guess it's. I guess I would say it like this: It's probably if to use the coach centric thing we've been discussing. Adam Peters will do the research, present the idea to Josh Harris, and he'll probably say, "Cool, got it." Thus, making it sort of ultimately him's decision if that makes sense. But, you know, Adam Peters will be the one who will have taken the data, taken the information, and then presented what he thinks is the best scenario. By the way, it was on January 15th that the commanders officially announced the hiring of Adam Peters as general manager. Uh, this episode of the podcast is for January 24th. There has been nothing on the man who was and technically still is commander's general manager, Martin Mayhew, uh, nor has there been anything on executive vice president of football slash player personnel, Marty Herney. What do you think about that? The status of each Marty uh, still being up in the air. I mean, it's funny. I went to the website this week and uh, there's two general managers listed. Like they didn't like change the titles. So, you know, the senior bowl is next week. And I was thinking for myself, because I'm, I'm expecting to go. And I'm thinking, okay, well, Adam Peters is going to have to go. I'm hoping he'll talk to us. Who knows? But the coaching search is still going on. The the the, the, the senior ball starts officially Tuesday. I think Monday there may be some you know chances for everybody to meet people, whatever. But 
so let's just say Adam Peters has to stay here for the coaching situation, or even if he's going to go at some point, who's going with him? There is nobody else besides this group. I mean, I, I guess if, if they're going to plan on keeping anybody, you know, um, then I would think that those people might go to the senior bowl versus those who they may be saying, okay, it's been real. Um, so yeah, it, I, I, like, it's a tricky, it's a weird bit with the front office because a lot of teams are not going to let you just take their, take certain people because they're immersed in that team's uh, scouting free agency or the draft in particular. And, you know, a lot of times scout changes occur after the season. So I don't know who Adam Peters would, is he, would even bring in at this point that he would feel, you know, super great about. So I, I will see. I, I do think it could be interesting, though, when, we, when next week um, we see who's down in Mobile. I wonder if this will play out the way that things did play out with Ron Rivera running Washington football operations. He was hired as Washington head coach in January 2020, but it wasn't until January 2021 that he truly put his stamp on the front office, uh, as that was when Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney were hired by Washington. Uh, Maybe we're going to have to wait until next offseason for the true Adam Peters imprint on the commander's front office. Maybe all of the changes happening right now is not realistic. Yeah, for some of it, like I said, it's not realistic. Like, if you really want to change scouts, like, those guys are probably not moving from anywhere until after the the draft. Uh, You know, could they move on from the various executives? Sure, but then, you know, again, who is he bringing in? If you're bringing, I mean, you know, if you're bringing in somebody who's on the sidelines, well, then that's not as... You know, I mean, I'm just making this name up, but if Charlie, Cass, if they want to bring in Charlie Casserly, he's just sitting there, right? So you could do you could do something along those lines, or you know, even like Rick Spielman. I'm not saying that, but he's obviously helping the search committee here. But in terms of somebody on the 49er staff or another team, yeah, you're going to have to wait. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. The, we and I and I had this in my story. We, there may not be as much movement on the front office at this point in terms of people coming in until after the draft, or like you said, maybe not even until next year. With what you wrote, a piece that came out on Tuesday morning for The Athletic, a to-do list for Adam Peters as Commander's GM, what were the most interesting items on your to-do list, in your opinion? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, whatever they do at number two in the quarterback, like that's going to be kind of a, a big deal. <laughs> but putting that aside... You know, there's a lot, obviously. they got to fix, you know, the, the, the lines, some of the obvious football stuff. What are you doing with John Allen, with these things? But I do think that there's a lot to be said for picking the staff. I know we're all going to be like, ooh, when the news comes out that they hire so-and-so to be the linebacker coach or whatever. And and we're not going to be able to judge a lot of that for a long time, right? I mean, we had, we had to give Rivera some benefit of the doubt, even as we were mocking the Commanders bit there. But, you know, you, you had to see it for ourselves, and obviously it went the way it went. But to go back on Mike Sando's column, like he was showing how like John Harbaugh, who is he's it's not a coach centric model because they have a, a, a GM, but it is more of that CEO model that Ron was kind of using. But because he doesn't call plays on either side of the ball, Harbaugh, but he does an excellent job of assembling a staff. He's he's rolled out so many different coordinators over the years because either because guys have been hired to go somewhere else or. You know, just a couple years ago, to, to to name Wink Martindale again, he moved on from Wink Martindale to bring in Mike McDonald. Um, and you've got a that, that's a huge deal 
you know, and I think this is where, again, not to pick on Ron, but I think this is where, you know, he fell down a bit, not just with those initial hires, but then everything that kind of came after that. It was always this, you know, but just promoting from within. And that sounds like a great deal, but, you know, you got to get some different thought in there. You've got to find guys who are doing things the way you want them to be done. So that if you are doing the CEO type deal, then you feel comfortable and you know that it's getting done. So I, to me, I think that is. A big deal, and frankly, if they're going to hire one of these, you know, first year, first time head coaches, you know, are they going to have some former head coach on their staff, or a you know a coordinator for say the other side of the ball who's been doing this for you know many years, thus being able to take pressure off them because it's going to be a challenge if it's Ben Johnson, he's already a play calling, but now you're saying okay, now to keep doing that, but take on all these other responsibilities, you know, he's going to talk to the media more often to do all the national things. There's lots of things the coach has to deal with. So, um, you know, I think, I think who is on the staff is a, is a much bigger deal than we all sort of like focus on. And that's almost certainly a big component of these head coaching interviews. The commanders aren't just asking these guys about themselves. The team is asking these guys about who they'd hire for their staffs. For sure. I mean, look, even for us, like as the media, like I, I don't, I don't talk to these coaches. We're not allowed to. Frankly, I mean, you know, if you see him in the hall, hey, how's it going? But like, I don't know. But so it's, it's you know, other than the coordinators. But yeah, it is a huge, it is a big deal. I mean, look, what happened this year with the commanders when they went from Chris Harris to Brett Wieselmeyer? I'm not going to sit here and say it was 100% from that, why the secondary fell back. But the secondary definitely fell back. They were giving a big play after big play after big play. Even guys who weren't like, you know, Derek Forrest wasn't playing as well as he did the previous year before his injury, things like that. And then, uh, you know, I think that's a huge deal. And then, you know, and that that's why it's not just about, you know, it, it isn't just about uh, guys like guys you know to, to bring in, but you need to have people who are going to be legit good at their job. I think that's one of the ironies of the Chris Harris thing in general. Like he was like the rare guy who was not associated with, Rivera, in theory, um, prior to that, and he was, I, I guess you could say he was probably the best assistant coach they had, um, and he's now getting a defensive coordinator, and the reason I w- would be curious if we get one here, but that's a, that's a side issue. So, um, yeah, it, it is a big deal. This is kind of random, but Eugene Shen, uh, the commanders on October 26th announced the hiring of Eugene Shen as the team's senior vice president of football strategy. Uh, He is in charge of the team's analytics. He clearly was a hire that was made by Josh Harris, who is big on analytics. And Shen is going to be part of the commander's front office moving forward. But he was hired two and a half months before Adam Peters was hired as general manager. And yet Shen on the org chart is beneath Adam Peters. How do you view that dynamic? And is it at all odd that a major football operations hiring was made before the hiring of the new head of football operations was made? It's funny. So you've obviously watched the two press conferences they've had, one with Josh Harrison and the one with Harrison Peters. If this was a Ron Rivera press conference like we had when we all had options for follow-ups, we would have asked about Eugene Shen by now because I would have. But when we only get the one question, uh, it's hard to. And, you know, a, a lot of the media is not, I'm not picking on that, but like they're not thinking about what you just asked. That Eugene Chen, that's like way too deep in the weeds. So that to me is a, is a big question. What do people think of Eugene Chen? What is his role? What is his power? How, what, how does that factor in? 
all these kinds of things. So I think that um, I, 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 I would look every depart every team now, progressive team is going to have some sort of analytics department. No exception here. So I wouldn't think it'd be a big deal, but I am curious what what level of power, quote unquote, does Eugene Chen have? Is he purely hey? We, we ran the numbers, you know, on this player before you play the Cowboys, whatever, and he presents it to whomever, and then that person uses it as part of their game plan, or is it more of, hey, you know, on fourth and two from inside the fifty, we're going for it, and, you know, those types, of, you know, that 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 is a question, and like I said, I wish we were able to have, um, you know, have a more standard press conference in a certain way to to, to get a question in like that. I was disappointed that uh, Eugene Shen was not asked about during that Adam Peters introductory press conference. Final question. We are inside of two months until the start of free agency and the trading period this NFL offseason, and the commanders do have a lot of notable players set to be unrestricted free agents this offseason. Do you at all get the sense that the team is talking contract with any of these players like, say, safety, Cameron Curl, or is that stuff on hold until the new head coach is hired? Yeah, I would imagine everything's on hold, right? I mean, what's the point of signing Cam Curl if the new defensive coordinator or head coach or whatever doesn't see him as a fit for what they want to do and so on and so on? So, no, I mean, like, to me, I, w- I thought James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill. I would take James Smith-Williams, but pick one of them, Say to that guy, look, we'll give you one year for whatever. And because you're right now, right? If they're starting, if they had to play a game tomorrow, the defensive ends are what KJ Henry and you know Andre Jones. So you know that's a you know a concern. But so you would think just to have something there. Um, I would imagine that sort of conversation can happen at any point. But yeah, other than that, I I, I just think you don't want to tie up anybody. You know, especially the guys who are going to have the money. You know the the curls, the fullers, what have you. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything to do there until now. And that's kind of one thing I, I mentioned in my story. Like, look, everybody here has done their own homework already to various degrees. Peter's on the draft and others and, and the people here are the same. But none of these conversations that we had have been had collectively. We don't know what, you know, for all our talk about what they're going to do at, t- at number two, Maybe Adam Peters does not like any of these quarterbacks, right? I, mean, I guarantee you we're going to hear negatives about Drake May and Jaden Daniels over the next two to three months, right? It's going to happen. Maybe he believes them, and then he would say, I'd rather trade down. And you know, So I think all these things have to wait until they get something going. And that's why I kind of want things to get going. And by the way, not to again, I, 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 I'm using I'm using the Rivera for frame of reference, but you know, when you say Sam Howell's your starting quarterback, essentially – I know it's, he said it was his job to lose, but you know what I mean. Essentially, that before you even hired your offensive coordinator, well, now you're putting that person in a tough spot, right? Because he has to now, uh, you're already dictating a lot to that person. So that's why I don't think you want to make rash moves now and say, any in any regard, you're already here, just wait a few more weeks and then go from there. Hey, the Commanders next season may be facing a Ron Rivera-coordinated Philadelphia Eagles defense, so you may not be done <laughs> with writing and talking about Ron just yet. I hope that you know that. Uh, I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm not betting my, I'm not putting my mortgage payment on him getting hired by the Eagles, but, you know, look, I, I'm curious to see what happens to Ron next, and uh, I didn't have... Uh, 
an interview with the uh, another NFC East team on my uh, bingo card, but you know, expect the unexpected. That would be quite the twist in the Washington Rod Rivera saga. Commander's insider Ben Standing of the Athletic. Uh, ben, thank you, and we'll talk soon. Al, you rock, man. Thanks. All right. Ben mentioned that next week is Senior Bowl week. Uh, the 2024 Senior Bowl will take place at Hancock Whitney Stadium on the campus of the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama on Saturday, February 3rd. Uh, that is the weekend before Super Bowl weekend. Uh, we this Sunday will determine the participants in the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday afternoon at 3, the NFC Championship game, the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday evening at 6.30. A whole lot of opportunity to make money via Underdog Fantasy, which offers daily pick games that are super easy and fun. Just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals, and you win. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and who make a first deposit of at least $10. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy also offers a season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking NFL winners, only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. Uh, And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. We on Tuesday's show, episode 746, had a good conversation with Michael Bauman of the great Sabermetrics website, Fangraphs, about the lack of activity by both the Nationals and Orioles this MLB offseason. Well, the Nats on Tuesday made a move. (laughs) Uh, We on Tuesday afternoon had multiple reports that the Nats had agreed on a one-year $5 million contract with a left-handed power bat, free agent outfielder slash First baseman Joey Gallo of the 2024 season will be Gallo's age 30 season. Uh, Joey Gallo is a classic three true outcome batter. Uh, He hits a good number of home runs. He draws a lot of walks and he strikes out a lot. Uh, The three true outcomes in baseball are homers, walks, and strikeouts. Joey Gallo is all about (laughs) the three true outcomes. Joey Gallo in the 2023 regular season for the Minnesota Twins had an OPS plus of 101 over 332 plate appearances. So he was a league average batter. OPS plus is OPS that is adjusted for a player's league and home ballpark. 100 is average. Above 100 is good. Below 100 is bad. So an OPS plus of 101 is league average. But get this, Joey Gallo in the 2023 regular season hit 21 home runs, but had a batting average of just 177. Now, you're probably thinking, geez, 21 homers, but a batting average of 177. How does that happen? Well, Joey Gallo had 21 homers, but he also had just 19 singles, 9 doubles, and a triple. So 21 home runs, but 29 other combined hits. He had more homers, 21, than he had singles, 19. (laughs) Think about that. Three true outcomes. Uh, Gallo did draw 48 walks, but he also struck out 142 times. Joey Gallo at one point was a really good batter. He over a stretch of five regular seasons, 2017 through 2021, his age 23 through age 27 seasons, registered an OPS plus of 117, but he had a really bad 2022 season for the New York Yankees and Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Gallo can play defense. He won Gold Glove Awards for his outfield work for the Texas Rangers for the 2020 and 2021 seasons. The Nats last season were awful at hitting homers and were awful 
at drawing walks. So Gallo should help them in those regards, and he can play some defense, and he could be a trade ship for our rebuilding Nats. Uh, here's the bottom line. Hopefully Joey Gallo plays well, and then the Nats can flip him prior to the 2024 MLB trade deadline. Well, the Capitals on Tuesday night played the first of two road games on back-to-back -back nights as part of a stretch of four consecutive road games and six road games in seven games. Uh, a lot of roadies for the Caps here. Uh, the Caps on Tuesday night, though, lost. Uh, in fact, they lost at one of the worst teams in the Western Conference, a 5-3 loss at the Minnesota Wild, which is next to last in the Central Division. Uh, the Caps are third to last in the Metropolitan Division as they, for this NHL regular season, fell to 22-17-6. and six. Uh, The Caps in this loss at the Wild were down 3-0 in the second period and were down 5-1 in the third period. Uh, the game, in a lot of ways, was not as close as that final score of 5-3 would suggest. Uh, this was another bad game for Caps goaltender Darcy Kemper. Uh, he was the Caps starting goaltender for just the second time in six games, and he was not good. He stopped just 25 of the 30 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper, per natural stat trick, gave up two goals on high danger shots on goal, gave up two goals on medium danger shots on goal, and gave up a goal on a low danger shot on goal. All five of the goals that Kemper allowed were even strength goals as the Caps did go 2-2 two two on the penalty kill. So it's not like his goals allowed total of five uh, was inflated by giving up power play goals. And it's not like the Caps got ripped in the puck possession battle. They had 33 shots on goal to the Wilds 30. And per natural stat trick had 10 5-on-5 five -five high danger shot attempts to the Wilds 8. Darcy Kemper just is not playing well. He, for this NHL regular season, now has a goals against average of 321 and a save percentage of just 892. Uh, a bright spot for the Caps was third line left wing Anthony Mantha. He scored two even strength goals, had a game high tying four shots on goal, and had a game high tying eight total shot attempts. And he was number two on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 64. The Caps with Mantha on the ice in five on five situations in the game had 16 shot attempts versus allowing nine shot attempts. Anthony Mantha is having a nice season off having been bad last season. Uh, Mantha for this regular season is number two on the Caps in goals with 14. Uh, second line right wing TJ Oshie. He scored a third period power play goal for his sixth goal in six games as the Caps went one of four on the power play. But Oshie did have a game worst tying plus minus rating of minus three. And Oshie was dead last on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 23.53. The Caps with Oshie on the ice in five on five situations in the game had just 
four shot attempts versus allowing 13 shot attempts. Uh, Top line left wing Alex Ovechkin, he had no points, uh, three shots on goal and four total shot attempts. And the Caps did get back a key player. Defenseman Rasmus Sandin returned from an eight-game absence as the Caps on Tuesday afternoon announced that they had activated him off injured reserve on which he was placed on January 11th due to an upper body injury. Next up for the Caps is a game at the third best team in the Western Conference, the Colorado Avalanche, Wednesday night at 9.30. Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night got asked how crucial this game at the Avs is for the Caps. Here was Carberry's answer. Yeah, I mean, I don't even look at like... It's just our, our group, I genuinely believe in our leadership, and they know we're, we're in playoff mode right now. And this is um, our season and how tight and all that stuff. If, if we um, are being real, realistic about playing into April and May, like this is going to be the chunk that decides our season. And that's um, they're challenging games against a real good hockey team, and tomorrow is probably... Um, as difficult as, as the test gets, but that's where we have to prove that we belong and, and um, we're capable of playing um, past the regular season. Yeah, Spencer Carberry is not wrong. A big game for the Caps on Wednesday night. And college basketball on Tuesday night, we had Georgetown and Virginia Tech in action. Uh, The Hoyas got stomped. Uh, The Hokies did win. Uh, But Georgetown for this season fell to 8-11 overall and and 1-7 in the Big East with a 90-66 loss to Butler at Capital One Arena on Tuesday evening. This was a really bad game for the Hoyas. They trailed for all of the second half. Their defense was not good. They allowed Butler to go 6-16 on threes and 27-42 of on twos. And the Hoyas shot poorly from the field. They went just 9-34 of on threes and just 14 of 32 on twos as the Hoyas got outscored in the paint 42-26. Really rough game for 6-2 Illinois transfer Jaden Epps. 32 minutes as a starter. He went just 4 of 19 from the field. 2 of 13 on threes, two of six on twos, and he committed five turnovers. Uh, he went six of seven on free throws. He finished with 16 points and three assists. A bright spot for the Hoyas was 6'9 Fairfield transfer, Supreme Cook. He, in 29 minutes as a starter, went five of 10 from the field, all twos, and two of four on free throws. He finished with 12 points and 12 rebounds, including five offensive boards. Uh, But the Hoyas in Ed Cooley's first season as the team's head coach now are 180th out of 362 Division I men's basketball teams in KenPalm.com's adjusted efficiency margin for this season. Uh, This is another bad season for the Hoyas. Uh, Next up for Georgetown at Providence, Saturday afternoon at 1230. Meantime, Virginia Tech it for this season improved a 12-7 overall and 4-4 in the ACC with a 76-71 win over Boston College at 
Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia, late night on Tuesday night. The Hokies led for all of the second half, although they did allow a 13-point second half lead to get trimmed to two. Uh, Tech got roughed up inside, got outscored in the paint 44-28, also got out-rebounded 35-22, including having just five offensive rebounds to Boston College's 13. Uh, The Hokies' offense, great in the first half, not so good in the second half. They, in the first half, scored 44 points, went 6-12 on threes and 11-16 on twos. But Tech, in the second half, 32 points, just 2-10 of 10 on threes and just 7-15 of 15 on twos. But the Hokies for the game went a perfect 16-16 of 16 on free throws. It was interesting. Head coach Mike Young played just seven players in this game. Uh, six of the players each scored at least eight points. Among those players, 6-1 point guard Sean Padula, but he again committed a bunch of turnovers. 37 minutes as a starter, he committed six turnovers. He now has 27 turnovers over Tech's last four games. Uh, not good. Uh, the Hokies are number 59 at a 362 Division I men's basketball teams in KenPalm.com's adjusted efficiency margin for this season. Tech can make the NCAA tournament, uh, but definitely has work to do. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to Georgia Tech, Saturday evening at 5. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 748. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, Maryland basketball, and Virginia basketball. The Caps are at the Colorado Avalanche Wednesday night at 9.30. The Wizards are home to the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves Wednesday night at 7. The Terrapins are at Iowa Wednesday night at 7, and the Cavaliers are home to NC State Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Three cheers for the Redskins. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hey, let's have three more. Three cheers for the Redskins. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip.